Amen. Go ahead, have a seat today. Ushers, you can come forward. Let's give out of how God has given to us. It's all from him. It's all for him. Uh, if you're here for the first, second, or third time, and you've got that connection card uh, that you were handed as you walked in, and now you're watch- watching the baskets pass by, you think I can't get it filled out in time, don't worry. As you head out today, we've got some really nice people on your right as soon as you get outside. Uh, we've got a gift for you. You matter to us. You made this place matter to you today. So we want to say thank you so much in a way that is filled with sugar and tastes good. Uh, so we're in a series called Transformation, and uh, right now we're going to hear two stories of people who have experienced spiritual transformation, and God has done work in their life. It's Baptism Sunday. You saw the tank on their way in, and so we're going to hear uh, from Steve and from Krista right now, because they're going to come up and share with us the difference that God has made in their life. Baptism is something uh, where we're making an outward action to symbolize an inward decision, what happened in our lives. And so if you're here, you're out of junior high, and you're ready to get baptized, we would love to get you locked and loaded for our next baptism, which is going to be November 11th. You can talk to me afterwards. But right now, let's turn our attention to Krista, and she's going to share with us the great things that God has done in her life. I asked Jesus into my life when I was 20. I was at church with my husband, John, and I asked him to help me get over sin in my life, to forgive me and help me with my relationships with John and my parents. This immediately helped me, and I felt lighter right away. I smiled a lot and felt relief. I really felt like Jesus forgave me that day. I still remember not feeling like I was worthy of a relationship with Jesus, but I asked him anyway. My husband, John, has always encouraged me in my relationship with God, and I feel, or I feel like God gave John to me just for that reason. After this, I felt so pure and relieved. I felt like I could hold my head up and be proud that I was a Christian. I knew that God was with me at all times, and I didn't have to be perfect anymore. God showed me his power in my life by constantly reminding me how much I matter to him. There were things that happened before I was a Christian that made me think I did not deserve to have children. Then my doctors told me I had a medical condition that made it so I couldn't get pregnant. I didn't feel like I deserved to have children. But when I got pregnant with my son and my daughter, like God has always been there for me. He's paying attention to me, and I'm so grateful that he loves me the way that he does. Another way God's changed me is around my anger. I'm too quick to say something back to somebody who says something hurtful, and God has taught me to walk away rather than to keep talking and say something horrible. When I'm around my church family and God is in my head that day, everything is better and people around me notice too. Psalm 116 says, I love the Lord because he hears my voice and my prayer for mercy, because he bends down to listen. I will pray as long as I have breath. I believe in you, so I said. I am deeply troubled, Lord. In my anxiety, I cried out to you. What can I offer the Lord for all he has done for me? I will lift up the cup of salvation and praise the Lord's name for saving me. I will keep my promises to the Lord in the presence of all his people. This is a prayer that I have prayed a lot. When I'm feeling troubled or anxious, I go here. I don't need to feel worried because I can give my issues to God and he calms me. Today I'm getting baptized because it's perfect timing 
and I want to show my church that I am grateful to God for saving me. All right, this is Steve. Good morning. So growing up, my life was empty and confusing. I was lost. I had an idea about God, but was unsure of what all that meant. I asked Jesus into my life when I was 12 years old. I remember I was at a, with my uncle at a men's event called Promise Keepers. That's when I first gave my life to Jesus. I remember the speaker asking if anyone wanted to dedicate their lives and those who wanted to, to step forward, raise their hand, and then we said a prayer. For me and my 12-year-old mind, this was all about loving Jesus. I felt great and cool. My childhood growing up was rough, but at that moment, I felt cool and relieved. I almost felt invincible, like there was nothing that I couldn't do. I felt God in my life, and I wanted more of that. I was asking God for more of him so I could keep living this feeling. Since then, <clears throat> I never gave up my faith in Jesus, but my time in church became very limited. I had a bad relationship with my father, and my parents' marriage was rough. My grandfather was a very important part of my life growing up, and when he was diagnosed with cancer and ended up passing away from it, I got very mad at God. I tried to stay connected with God in church, but I couldn't get past the emptiness I felt. I was looking for something to fill that emptiness, but I wasn't allowing God to do it. I left church and developed the mindset of, if God is real, why would he take my grandfather? Why would people die from tragedies every day? I stopped going to church and stopped reading my Bible. Over time, God has been lovingly showing me areas where I was wrong. One day, I had a very clear dream where God was telling me, don't be mad, follow me. I got out of bed, hit my knees, and began to cry. I prayed to restart my relationship with God. Ever since then, I felt this desire to follow God, to give, to preach, to dig into the Bible. It's almost as if there's an overwhelming peace from God. I stopped trying to understand the things that aren't for me to understand and that led me today to where I'm ready to take my next step and my commitment to following Jesus. Romans 8, 38, 39 says, And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. This fits perfectly because I am convinced that nothing can separate me from God's love for me. Today I'm getting baptized because I love the Lord and he loves me. So they're both going to get baptized after next service. This is going to be an awesome moment for after this service. This is going to be a great moment for us uh, and for kids. So if you've got little ones who are over in kids' church, how we're going to do that is we're going to have everybody up at the front. We've got a picture of what it's going to look like. Uh, and so we're going to have little kids at one door, which is kindergarten and below, and then first grade and up. Uh, that's going to be at another door, both of them right there where you check them in. The check-in table is gone. That way you can uh, retrieve your kids, have them out to watch baptism, and it's going to be a great thing. So today we're talking about vocational transformation. We're doing that because all of us have a boss 
that loves us. Okay? It's boss with a capital B, which means that it's God, that person that loves us and follows us everywhere in life, even to work, is God. If you work at a job, if you are a stay-at-home parent, if you are in between jobs, uh, God wants to work in our lives, around our routine, around our job, and today we're going to look at some ways that that happens. We're going to be in Ephesians uh, chapter 6, verses 5 to 9, and these are all verses that are written by a guy who understands transformation. We've said it a million times, it's great to just keep this in mind that Paul, the guy who wrote these, hated Christians until the day that he became a Christian. So if you feel like you're a little bit skeptical about this whole thing, welcome to the club. Uh, You're in good company with Paul. And he talks about employment today in this through the lens of slavery. And it's different from what we understand it in America through the history books. This is not a permanent slavery. It's not a race-based slavery. Instead, it's more like financial payback. You owe somebody a bunch of money. You're going to go work for them as a slave to pay down your debt. So when it talks about this, no, we are not endorsing anything sinful. Uh, This is the way that it is. And with the good part about this, about how God works in our work, is that a lot of us can relate to times in our lives where work has been bad and God moves in. What we've been blessed with to be able to do through a lot of these weeks, we're going to have one more next week as we finish up the Transform series, are videos from you all uh, to talk about how God worked in this powerful area of your life. So right now we got another video. Let's roll tape. My name is uh, Joey, and I'm part of the Ministry of Translation here in Mountain Sunnyside. My name is Joey, and I'm part of the translation team here at Mountain View Sunnyside. And recently, uh, I was going through a time of anxiety and a time of stress, and due to the fact that at work, we were, we were overbooked. And every Monday or Tuesday, I would get up, and I would check my emails, and I would be noticing that all my jobs were being pushed out and pushed out. And for a lot of reasons, there were... Uh, deliveries that were couldn't be made because product wasn't being put out because saws were being broken down but I would get up and I would look at my email and I would all of a sudden feel this anxiety on me that I didn't think I was gonna make it through the day in fact I went to work thinking I was quitting that day and this went on for like three weeks and during those three weeks I I talked to friends I talked to Pastor Ken I talked to my wife and 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 just trying to figure out what was going on why was I going through this and and what could I do? And all along, I knew what to do. And that was just put, cast all my cares on God because he didn't want me to be anxious and he didn't want me to be uh, perturbed about the situation at work. And I even talked to my clients and my clients would tell me, why are you beating yourself up? You only can do what you can do. Some of these things are out of your control. And so when I came to the realization that I started to pray Every morning, pray for, pray for myself, pray for my family, pray for Mountain View Sunnyside, pray for my co-workers and my company, and pray for my clients. And I begin to turn it over to God. And as I turned it over to God, I, I realized that He's in control and He's caring for me. And all I gotta do is trust Him. My name is Joy Hernandez, and my job was no problem for my king. We've been using that phrase throughout the series so far to say my, whatever the situation is, my need for physical healing, my uh, whatever it is, is no problem for my king. And part of that all comes from the fact that our God loves us. Our boss loves us. 
He wants to bring transformation to every single area of our life. God loves us with a transforming love where he's not just going to see us where he meets us and then just leave us there and say, good luck, I've got your sins forgiven, but, but have fun with the rest of life. Is He wants to take us and move us into the people that he created us to be in the areas that we need it. And so when we look at vocational transformation in this today, we look at the mandate from God, our call from God, that whatever we're doing, we're going to go out and we're going to love God and love people through it. And so as we go to work, knowing that our boss loves us, our first job is to love God through our work and to love people. That's not something that's a stretch because God loves work. In the very beginning of the Bible, before there's anything wrong in the world, before sin comes into the world, God works. And God does dirty jobs too. So you see in Genesis 1, God creates Adam, the first person. And he creates him out of dirt. So God is there. He's got the sleeves rolled up. The hands are not going to be clean when he gets home. And so he makes a human out of dirt. Before that, he's putting things together. He's creating a garden. He's doing blue-collar, no-collar jobs because God loves work. And so when we look at our boss who loves us, boss with a capital B because it's God, we can take the love that God has for us, the ways that God wants to work in us, what God tells us through Jesus is the most important commandment, to love God and to love others, and then bring those to work. And so that's what Paul is getting at in the passage where we're going to be today. Ephesians 6, verse 5 through 9, it says this. It says, Slaves, obey your earthly master with deep reverence and fear. Serve them sincerely as you would serve Christ. Try not to please them all the time, not just when they're, or try to please them all the time, not just when they're watching you. As slaves of Christ, do the will of God with all your heart. Work with enthusiasm as though you are working for the Lord rather than for people. And remember that the Lord will reward each one of us for the good that we do, whether we are slaves or free. And masters, treat your slaves in the same way. Don't threaten them. Remember, you both have the same master in heaven, and he has no favorites. So if you're here today and you're like, man, that, that boss that actually cares for me or those employees who work hard for me, whether or not I'm looking at them or not, those are not in my life. So I'm really excited to hear what God's word has to say about me as a boss or me as an employee or me as someone who's getting ready for my next job or you as a stay-at-home parent saying, okay, God, how am I going to work with these tiny humans that you've put in my life and are absolutely insane? Okay, God wants to work in us because our boss loves us. And what he wants to say for all of us around our job is what you do is not as important as why and how you do it and who your work is turning you into. Our boss loves us and he says what you do, you know, I'm not just going to use you as something that produces goods and services into the world and then just throw you away. He says, I want what's in your heart. I want what's going on inside to be able to turn that more toward me to bring transformation into our daily lives. And God does this because he loves work. This isn't a punishment for us, but instead God is telling us, all of you, I want, to take, I want you to take your job and love it. Not shove it, love it. Because God loves work and he wants to work with us even as we go to work or as we stay at home with work. God wants to work in that. And he does this because our boss created us to work hard. Our boss created us to work hard. It's explained in verse 5. It says, all of you obey your earthly masters with deep, deep reverence and fear. That means that you're going to serve them sincerely as you would serve Christ. Man, Jesus is our boss who created all of us to work hard. 
And this is something that's really easy for all of us to mess up. We're created to work hard. But just like everything else in our world, it's created to go one way. We've got a tendency to turn it another way. So before I became a pastor, my last job was working at Starbucks. I worked there. Tim worked there. Zach, who plays electric guitar, he worked there. We all worked at different Starbucks I, uh, at different times and everything. And I remember my first day. Uh, very early at Starbucks, if you get a job at Starbucks ever, your first three weeks are going to be really tough because you have to learn everything like from zero. And so the very beginning, there are two things I could do. Make whipped cream because there's two ingredients and check the bathroom and make sure that they're clean. So I was done making whipped cream. There was enough whipped cream on the planet to like feed everybody. And so I went to check the bathroom and uh, I went up to the men's and turned the knob and pushed the door open, which means there's probably nobody in there. And I looked, and right away, there's an old man sitting on the toilet in a very vulnerable position. And so I slammed the door and just prayed, God, may I never see that person again. And so I went back to the counter and said, I didn't check the bathroom because I checked the bathroom, and there was a dude in there, and I hope he's not a regular. And they're like, yeah, he's here every single day. For the rest of your time there, you're going to see Don every morning buying a cup of coffee. And you just saw him in a way that you will never, ever unsee Don again. Hard work meant forgetting that I saw Don the way that I saw Don for every other time that I see Don at Starbucks. There's also a point where like nobody wants warm milk ever in their life, or like milk that's been sitting up for forever. So we have to take milk from the big fridge in the back to the little fridge that's under the espresso machine. And anybody can carry a gallon of milk, all right? That's no big deal, okay? Working harder and working more efficiently means you have to carry multiple gallons of milk and see how many gallons of milk you can carry. So those green aprons that everybody has to wear, they also work really well as milk carriers. These 10 fingers you have, you can also put a few gallons of milk in each of those. So I got seven gallons of milk, kid stuff. Eight gallons, did it. Nine gallons, that's great, but it's not 10 gallons, double digits of gallons. That's like my body weight in milk. So I loaded it up on 10. I planned it out. It was probably boarding class, so I figured it out. I've got the gallons in the apron. I've got the gallons around the digits, and I start making the walk from the big fridge to the little fridge. And the thing about water spilling is when water spills, it's like, all right, this is going to clean everything else. That's fine. That's what we tell the kids. It's okay. It'll dry. When milk spills, that's bad news. Okay, that is worth crying about because milk does not leave good things six hours after it spills. And so I made it about a quarter of the way. And then some of the gallons, I don't remember how many because I'm kind of mortified from it, spilled all over the floor. I tried 10 gallons once. I didn't make 10 gallons. I went back to nine gallons where I was fresh. And so for me, working hard at my job meant repairing and correcting and mopping up the numerous of gallons that hit the ground at Starbucks that one day and went everywhere. Our boss created us to work hard. Even when that drive, that creativity in us means that many gallons of milk are going all over the floor at Starbucks at Sierra Vista, which is one that conveniently nobody ever goes to unless it's Christmas time, which I was really glad for the day that I spread milk all over the floor. But God created us to work hard. He created us to have that drive in us to say, okay, I, I know I can take nine gallons. If I can take 10, that means we're going to be having good milk cold longer. That desire in us to do our job the best we can. And like anything else that God creates and then lets us have our way at, we tend to twist. Okay, everybody knows a workaholic. 
right? Everybody knows somebody who's, who's that mandate where we're created to work hard has gone totally sideways and they are mean to people because they value their work or their advancement so well. If you say, I don't know any workaholics, that's because you're the one, okay? Nobody else measures up to your standard of hard work. And so you think, I don't know any hard work or any workaholics, yet there's one that you see in the mirror every morning. And it, it makes sense, okay? Like, I'm looking at this week, and there's so many good things about work, whether it's getting ready for your next job or whether it's being a stay-at-home parent where you take care of your job every single day as they wake up and say, Mom, Dad, probably way too early in the morning or in the night or whenever the heck they decide to wake up because they're kids and babies are selfish. We've covered that already. But for all of us, there are good things that we get from our work. Okay, there's, there's provision. You work hard, you bring home a paycheck. It works to put gas in your car so you can go to work and work hard and get a paycheck and put gas in your car so you can go to work. It also works with paying for a place to live and eating food. So you work hard, you advance in your job, and, and you're better provided for. These are good things. Work also gives us an identity. You meet somebody, you know nothing about them, very quickly the question is going to come up, so what do you do? That's usually the point in my life where people go, oh, I went to church once, probably not going to yours, weirdo, but, but it, like our identity is shaped around what we do. I mean, there's advancement. You get to be over people the, higher, the harder you work, and, and people begin to do everything that you say when you get high enough up and talk about you uh, behind your back when you're not around. One of the benefits of work, but these things are good. But anytime a good thing becomes a God thing, when we begin to worship work, we begin to worship finances, we begin to worship being superior over other people and making other people do our stuff, anything, a good, anytime a good thing becomes a God thing, that's always a bad thing. And for us, when we're created to work hard, we're not just created to work hard for the sake of hard work, we're created to work hard because all of us, whether we're in a job where we go to work, whether we're self-employed and we're doing things to bless and benefit other people, or whether you're a stay-at-home parent or looking for your next job, all, this, all these things are hard work benefits other people. Whatever you do, if you, if you serve coffee to people for a living, if you take care of the streets, if you're raising little ones, if you're just waiting for another job where you can get out and, and do something to make money, you are, by definition of your job, you are serving people. That's part of the reason why God put us here is to, to make God look good, to be a, a mirror of who God is. And what God does is God provides for us. God blesses us. God keeps us safe. God gives us the coffee by growing the tree and making the beans the way they are so we can grind it and serve it to people. Like our boss created us for hard work. We live out what Paul says there in Ephesians 6, 7. We live out working with enthusiasm as though we're working for the Lord rather than for people. Because when we go to work, ultimately as Christians, we're working for God. And because God worked, because God worked when everything in the world was perfect, not after sin entered the world, we see that all work done for God is work that God's gonna bless. It's work that God is gonna say, okay, you're working just like I worked. You're working hard because God is our boss, taught us to work hard and shows us how to work hard. And as Christians, we can bring that hard work into a totally different realm because all the good things that work has to offer, we already have in Jesus. Work gives us an identity. Our identity is already that we are sons and daughters of God. Work gives us 
promotions and stuff. Jesus has already pulled us from our old life of sin into a new life with him. That is the only promotion we will ever need. Work gives us provision. And when work sometimes fails us, when we lose jobs, we get to see that God is ultimately our provider. That God uses work sometimes to provide for us, but beyond anything else, God is our provider. We can work hard because we know that we're working for God first. And even when work fails us, we know that God never will. That's why that testimony from Joey was so awesome. It's not because, well, everything just became perfect at work. It's still a mess. You talk to Joey, it's still a mess. But what God did in the midst of it was God worked on Joey's heart. God worked on Joey's heart in the midst of it. Because God created us all to work hard. And so he blesses us and walks with us and follows us through that. And all of us, we represent our boss to the rest of the world. That's part of why we work hard, is because we represent our boss to the rest of the world. Okay, uh, for us as Christians, we can't disqualify our spiritual influence at our place of work because of the way that we talk to people or the way that we treat people. We represent our boss to the rest of the world, which means that we bring the label of Christian as we go to work. As I meet with people, I think every once in a while, like, you hear a line that you're not going to forget because just the way that, like, it, it hits you, whether it's good, whether it's bad. Uh, I heard something that, that one of the guys said. I was meeting with him at Starbucks with the green aprons and carrying many gallons of milk. Uh, I asked him what brought him to Mountain View Sunnyside, and he said, well, I live in the area, and I know that my boss started a church, but I'm never going to my boss's church because that dude is not living what he preaches at work. I'm like, dang, that hurts. So for us, all of us, we represent God, we represent our boss as we go to work. And if this doesn't make sense in any other way, let this make sense mathematically, all right? John 13, 34, Jesus gives us one commandment. This is our thing to do for forever. He says this, this is the very end of his life. He's with his disciples, he's with his people right before he gets arrested and killed for us. He says, I'm giving you a new command. Love each other as I have loved you. Love each other. As I have loved you, you should love each other. So he says your one job is to love people. You love people, we're going to love God. As we love God, we're going to love people. So this is what it all comes down to, this one thing. If you look at your week and the amount of time you spend doing various things, there's no one thing that's going to add up to as much time as you spend at work. So if you take the one thing that you do more than anything else each week, which is work, and take the one thing that you're supposed to do as a Christian, and that's love people. If we're not loving people, doing that one thing while we do that thing that we do the most of, if we're not hitting number one during number one, then we're just not loving people. Like we spend most of our awake lives at work. We spend more time at work than anything else, which means that we have an opportunity to bring the love of God into our workplaces, whether it's taking care of kids, whether it's getting ready for our next job, whether it's at work, or even if it's self-employed, you, you get to manage everything that goes on in your company because it's you. We bring the love of Jesus with us. We bring the representation of our boss with us throughout the rest of the week. If you say, I can't be loving at work, then you're just not a loving person. And the good news in that is that God wants to change that and God wants to give you new life in that area because he is a transforming God. So how do we do that? Three things this week that you can try one of uh, to be a loving person. And the good news of this is by showing up to the starting line, you are, you are already ahead of most people. Because there's no, thank goodness, it's Tuesday that exists out there. Everybody's waiting for Friday when they get to not go to work for two days. All right? So most of the people that you see around you at work don't want to be there. So just by showing up, you're already in the lead. All right? 
So what do we do to be loving at work among a bunch of people who don't want to be there and probably won't do any of these things because they don't like work? The first thing is just say something nice. Next time you have an opportunity to either mouth off to somebody or just kind of kill the silence with something, don't mouth off. Don't stay silent. Say something nice. That's all it has to be. Do something nice. Second thing is listen. When people are talking to you, whether it's about personal, whether it's work, whatever it is, listen. Don't try to create what you're going to say back to them to flatten their argument already in your head as they're talking. Just listen. We live in a world that listens poorly, and I know that because I listen poorly, uh, but, but we have an opportunity to live out the love of God as we listen. And the third thing is give people the benefit of the doubt. Give people the benefit of the doubt. I do not do this well, so you can call me on this all day long, so I will give you plenty of opportunities. But as we represent our boss to the rest of the world, one of the ways that we can do it as we interact with clients, as we interact with kids, as we interact with our boss or with other people that we work with, is we give people the benefit of the doubt. That's how we represent our boss well to the rest of the world. In all this, we, we see that what we've been saying throughout the, throughout the series is my, my job is no problem for my boss. Is no problem for my boss. The great news about this is when Jesus looks at you and me, he doesn't see the things that we have done to earn a relationship. He doesn't see our past. He doesn't see us trying to say, hey, pick me, pick me. I'm good enough. Jesus sees us and he recognizes us as sons and daughters that he loves. And he loves us with an accurate, totally honest love for us, which means that he sees all the things in our lives that we do to push God away and say, I am doing this my way, come back later. That's called sin. And what what Jesus did that was so foundational for us is he did not leave us in our need and in our sin was he came and he lived like us. He took on skin. He did life as God with skin on so that he could give his life up for our sin. The reason that Christians always have crosses everywhere uh, is because it reminds us of the place where Jesus laid down his perfect life and exchanged it for our imperfect life. So that when God sees you and all the angst that you have in your life about things that go poorly at work and the way that you are not a Christian at work or you want to be more, you, you have these issues you can't get over, whether it's at work or with home or whatever, God looks at you and God doesn't see all those issues. God sees Jesus' perfect blood poured out for your forgiveness and for your transformation. So we look at this as the idea that my job is no problem for my boss, and we can say it with with the backing of all of Scripture, that Jesus doesn't just leave us to get it right on our own. 2,000 years ago, he came to lay down his life so that we could get it right through him. He doesn't say, work hard, try harder next time, and next week will be different. He says, let me empower you to live your life reflecting your boss, because your job is no problem for your boss. We got to hear that in the salvation stories earlier today, that nothing, not even a difficult job, can separate me from God's love, that that when I'm feeling overwhelmed, that we have a God that hears us when we cry out to him, whether it's about work, whether it's about personal stuff, whether it's about family, or whatever it is. Our job is no problem for our boss, who loves us, lives in us, and wants to transform us. Let's stand and pray.